0: We've been talking for six weeks now on not conformed but transformed. I, I was thinking about this this week when I was praying. I thought, you know, out of all the things that I've been dealt with of the Lord over the years of giving my life to Him, the, one of the biggest general topics that I've been dealt with is renew your mind. R- renew your mind. Now, we've talked about this And we know from the scriptures that we've started on, and we're not going to turn there, but Romans 12, 1 and 2. But verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. So there's a danger of or an opportunity for people who are Christians to be conformed to this world. That would sound so strange that a child of God, somebody who's given their life to the Lord... Could end up looking or pressed into the mold of the world. Wouldn't that be strange? But it's a real thing. But he said, you don't have to be pressed into the mold. He said, you can actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the Bible tells us in the eighth chapter of Romans a couple or a few chapters before, it said, we are actually Ordained by God. This is God's orders on your life if you're a believer. These are pretty strong words I'm about to give, so if you need to put your seatbelt on, go ahead. But think of it. He said this, that we were preordained, everybody who gives their life to the Lord, to be conformed or pressed into the mold of Jesus. That's huge, but it's awesome. That means he's got a big plan for every believer, he, and, and it's a good plan, and it's a right plan, and so I'm going to turn to Isaiah 55 back in the Old Testament, and this verse you may have heard before, and I'm going to jump right in the middle of this this uh, context And then we're going to look at something that, as a Christian, if you've been saved any length of time, you've probably heard this verse. And Isaiah 55, verse 8 says this, For my thoughts, and this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Anybody ever heard that? And he said, And my ways, or nor... Nor, or also, are my ways, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth. I mean, you know, when we think of the heavens, we look and go, wow, those are way up there. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. So he said, my ways and my thoughts are higher and, uh, than your thoughts and your ways. And I had heard that, voice, that verse for years and years and years. And it almost, if you hear it just like that, it, and you're a Christian, meaning you've received the Lord Jesus, you have the eternal life of God, the very life that was in Jesus came in you, and you hear this thought, you think, whoa. It puts you in a lowly position. It does. Because if his ways are higher than everybody's ways, and his ways and thoughts are way up here, then where does that leave you? Way down here. But is that really what he was saying? You little minions. Way down there. Is that how God was talking? Was he talking to everybody like that? Or. Is there an elevated life. For believers. That doesn't put you way down here. With these thoughts and these ways. But really has you way up here. See often there are people who will readily receive everything negative about themselves. And I'm talking Christians. They'll readily accept condemnation, readily accept a lower position like I'm a worm of the earth. But is that what God was wanting here? Let's go back and read in in the context. Verse 6 says this. You ready? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Notice this phrase. Call upon him while he is near. Now understand this. As a believer, this was before anybody could receive the Lord. Jesus had not come, had not died. He only had covenant people where he had an agreement with them, but these were actually not people who had been born of the Spirit of God. So he said, call on him while he may be found. Well, anybody who doesn't know the Lord can actually call on him, and they will find him. And so you could say it like this, for all of us who have called on him, have received him, we have new life. He said this, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, And the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God. In other words return to the Lord. To our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Notice what he said right there. And if you read real quick and don't slow down and look. You can miss something. Notice what he said. Verse 7. Let the wicked who... The wicked forsake what? His ways. Remember this verse we read? My ways are higher than your ways. Wicked ways are a low way of life. Then it says, And the unrighteous man, he is to forsake his thoughts. Why? Think about it. My thoughts are higher than those thoughts. So, is he talking to every Christian here or a believer? Let's read on. Verse 8 For my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Who? The wicked, the unrighteous. Nor are your ways my ways. Verse 9 For as the heavens, and what's he talking about? He's talking about the wicked, the unrighteous. Those ways we can see everywhere in the world. They're low ways. And he told us to forsake those thoughts and forsake those ways. Notice verse 10. We'll skip over 9. We read it a minute ago. Well, we'll read it again. Since you're here. Ready? For as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. For as the rain that comes down and the snow from heaven, so he gives us an illustration. He paints a natural picture. The Bible does this often. So he said, just like you can look at rain, and man, for Arizona, we've been watching rain, right? One thing that's really wild right now We're in the middle of August, as Mike advertised, my birthday month. (laughs) I normally wouldn't say that, but you can drive around out in the desert and you will see it's green, like there's grass. Somebody said, how did that happen? You know, I've seen people on the side of the road contemplating life decisions right now, like what's going on? And you know, it's quite simple. You get enough rain, things start to turn green. I know this is quite profound. Write that down. Get enough rain, things grow. But notice, it, it, doesn't the snow do the same thing? When it melts, we call it spring. And man, there's beautiful flowers and everything. And so what's he talking about here? Forsaking old ways of thought. Old ways of doing things. He said because there's a higher and a better way. And then he just throws this in here. And he said for as the rain that comes down. And the snow from heaven. And they do not return there. But they water the earth. And they make it. They make it. They make it. There is a forced result. Think about it. There is a forced result. They make it bring forth and bud. In other words, it starts growing. That it may give seed to the sower. In other words, these things will start growing, and then more seeds will come. It starts a process. That it may give seed to the sower and bread for the eater. Think of this whole context here. He's talking about supply. He's talking about increase. I mean, he's talking about all these things, and what is the context? Wicked, unrighteous ways and thoughts, God's ways and thoughts that are higher. And where does the rain come down? Where does the snow come down? No, matter, no, no wonder he used snow and rain as an illustration and he didn't say it springs up out of the earth. No, because his thoughts and his ways are way high. But they come down. The Bible said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And do you know this book right here called the Bible is from above? No matter what anybody said, it's from above. It's inspired. And it goes on to say... Notice this, verse 11. So shall my word be. He's trying to tell you my word will be just like rain and snow in the natural. So my word will be. No wonder there's a fight against the word. Because the devil knows his word will do this. God's word will do this. He said, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Just like rain doesn't go down and and have no effect. He said, My word will not be without effect. It will always have effect. If it's allowed to get in the soil, it will begin to produce. And he said, It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And notice this phrase and it shall prosper. It shall prosper. It shall prosper. It shall prosper. I mean, if you have ground and rain comes down on it, that ground will start to grow, it will start to prosper it will start to become fruitful. If a person gets under the influence of the Word of God, especially somebody who's given their life to the Lord, the the result of that will begin to be prosperity. Isn't peace prosperity? Isn't comfort prosperity? Isn't the presence of the Lord prosperity? Isn't love in the heart prosperity isn't peace prosperity you could just go through all the things that the word of god will produce and why we don't run to go hear the word and run to accept the word the word's powerful he said there is a connection of prosperity and the word i love the holy spirit I do too. He, he's the teacher and revealer of truth. And Jesus said, My word is truth. The number one thing He's going to do is convict the world of their need of a Savior, but He's going to begin to teach and instruct us. Because think of this. He said, If you meditate in my words, you will make your way prosperous. But think. How come? Because His word has prosperity built into it. Think of this. A person who receives the Lord and gets saved, born again, we call it, they call on Him, they'll get new life. They'll begin to prosper. But not only this, they'll prosper for eternity. Where the person who rejects the Word rejects the Lord, even though the Lord loves them, they will not prosper for eternity. They'll be tormented, the Bible said. Even though God wanted them to have prosperity here and prosper forever with Him. So, if I'm a Christian and I'm not prospering, and you understand what I mean prosper, uh, you can have a bank account full of money and not be prospering. You can see that, just look at the people in Hollywood. And you think, man, some of them are so miserable, they kill themselves. There's no reason to do that. But what happens is they thought money was the only thing. Now, I'm not saying money's evil because money's not. I mean, it's a tool. If anybody should have it, I say a believer because at least they'll use it right. Abraham was a covenant person and he was one of the richer people. Solomon was one of the richest men. Prosperous person. Rather have a believer have it. But here's the thing. It is not the ultimate. But prosperity is more than just money. It's all kinds of stuff. And so when he said it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it, he said for you shall go out with depression and be led forth with mental vexation right this is why you got to read the bible cuz he didn't say that he said for you shall be led shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace the the mountains and the hills shall break forth in singing before you And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That's not an LSD trip. (laughs) He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because people on LSD, you know, they see all kinds of things. Whoa, the carpet's breathing. The trees are clapping their hands. But I will tell you, I lived in the world. I got saved. I got delivered from all that stuff. I, when I got saved, I remember uh, my friends departed from me. I didn't even have to give them a card, you know. You know, like, ah, yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to live for the Lord, the world will not like you all the time. But I was love and walking with the Lord. And so we lived right below the the mountains in Southern California, so you could drive not even five minutes. You could ride your bike there in ten minutes and be in the Angeles National Forest, you know, in the low areas, and there's creeks and stuff, and I used to hike there. So I remember going up there within a day or two after giving my life to the Lord and looking at the leaves and looking at the trees, and I didn't go, look at them, clap their hands. But every leaf looked different. The sky looked different. Everything I saw looked different. And I remember trying to tell people, everything looks different. It's like I see life now. And I remember uh, praying with the lady years later, I don't know, maybe six years later, or maybe a little bit more, on an airplane, and we prayed... And she gave her life to the Lord. And I remember she started crying and she just turned her head away from me. So I didn't know. I wasn't, you know, didn't want to judge her, you know, and think whatever. But I just thought, okay, you know, is the Lord working? What's going on? She just turned away and stared out the window. And then the plane landed. And she just turned back to me and said, This is real. She said, All the colors, everything looks different. It's like there's life. You know why? Because life got in her. She started seeing it through a different perspective. She got the life of God in her. Her whole perspective changed. And prosperity began in her. you with me? I remember I was at the beach one time the waves were real big. There's a beach called The Wedge. And, and it can get like huge waves. And I was down there. And I was standing on the beach. And there was this girl there. And I just struck up a conversation with her and started talking to her. And then started talking to her about the Lord. And God started moving. I, I said, you know, you, you could pray and receive the Lord right now. And he would do a mighty work in your life. She, she said... She finally said, yeah, I'll do that. And I remember after she got done praying, she started crying. And she said the similar type thing. First, she said, I thought you were just trying to go out on a date with me or get my phone number. I said, no, this is real. She said, it is. She said, this is real. And then she went off. She said, my family owns this big pizza business chain. And she said, and I have an uncle and my dad, and they're Christians. They've been praying for me. She said, but she had always rejected all advances to give her life to the Lord. She said, and she was just crying. She said, this is real. Everything is different. Why? It's not that anything out there changed. It's something in her changed. And when you get life, you can spot things that God was involved in. The creation. Whether people believe it or not. So we see here, forsake your ways and move to a higher way. What's interesting is, when a person gives their life to the Lord, the very first thing they do technically is begin to... In other words, if you're a Christian, if you've given your life to the Lord... And I don't mean you became a member of a church. Being a member and be committed to a local body is vitally important. But you can be a member of a church and still miss heaven. It's when you receive the Lord and get new life. And so when we're talking about gaining His thoughts... Or adopting his thoughts and his ways. What we're saying is this. God's way of things is higher than our ways. In the world, people say work hard enough. Be good enough. God's way that's higher says receive my son. Then you have to put off that one way of thinking to adopt a higher way of thinking. And a higher way of doing things and what happens is once a person gives their life to the lord they actually have already started adopting new thoughts and new ways let me say that again they've began to adopt new thoughts and new ways because to receive the lord you're going to have to receive a new way of thinking you're going to have to receive a new way of doing And so turn with me to Colossians, the third chapter. We've read this in these teachings, but we're going to look at this a little bit different. Colossians, the third chapter. And it's very interesting. Just like a diamond ring, you know, you can turn it and you see uh, different facets to a ring. You know what I mean? Different colors, it's the same ring, different lights are appearing. And uh, so we see there about adopting a new way of thinking and a new way of doing. Why would he tell us to do this? Because it's a prosperous way of life. Adam and Eve adopted a wrong way of thinking and a wrong way of doing, and it became a non prospering way of life. In other words, they tasted spiritual death, their union with God was broken. There was a richness that they had that they lost. Because when we talk about some of this stuff, we're not talking about a bunch of religious rules and actions. We're talking about people getting eternal life. And when I first gave my life to the Lord, I received eternal life. I thought what I had gotten... If you've ever seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I have the best illustrations I know. These are at my level. Remember, Charlie got a golden ticket. He got to go to the Chocolate Factory. He didn't know he had a chance to win at all. But, you know, I thought getting saved was my golden ticket. And uh, when the day comes that you die or the Lord comes back, you go, I got my ticket, I get to get into heaven. And I thought that that's what the golden ticket was that I got. Now, you, life, sure, he said he forgave you, but life is not going to be much different. But I got a golden ticket. And sometimes people think, well, my sins were forgiven. And that is such a small part of receiving the Lord. Actually, what happens when a person receives the Lord, they become brand new inside. The Bible said the old is passed away. Now you gotta understand this when you talk about the old is passed away. It's not the natural old, it's the spiritual old. It's the same part when Adam and Eve sinned, it said they died. It's that void, that emptiness in the spirit of a man that is absent of the very life that Jesus had. Jesus takes the very divine life of God and puts it into the spirit of a person who receives Him. And they get what the Bible calls Zoe. You know, I've met more and more Zoe's today. You know, you anybody know a Zoe? You know, it's a cool name now, but it was a cool name a long time ago, because the Greek word Zoe literally means the life and the quality of life that dwells in God. Jesus said this: "I have come that you might have Zoe, the very life and existence that is in God, in you." See, that's way different than religion. Religion is don't do this, do this, do this, don't do that. Jesus said, I have come that zoe, or the very quality of life, might come in you. Now understand this, by the verses we've been reading, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's not, the mind does not get zoe, the quality of life that's within God nor does the body get it. You're a three-part being. It's the spiritual part that gets Zoe. That's why he tells Christians, now reprogram your mind according to this. Because Zoe is real. The Holy Spirit in a person is real. I mean so much so when I received the Lord immediately I started knowing things. This zoe, or God life, that was in the Son, and the Bible said he who has the Son has zoe in 1 John, or the life that's in God comes into that person. It doesn't leave you, stays in you, And remember, though, he said the way to prosper in this Zoe after is to do things in line with the word. And the first thing you did when you received the way or the Lord, because he's called the way, you forsook your own way and said, I'm choosing the way, his way, which is higher than the earth. Higher than the ways of the earth. He's the off-ramp off of the highway of life into a new way. And and then I had to forsake my own thoughts. This path is fine. This is okay. And I said, no, Jesus is the, the path. I'm going to go that way. When I forsook my way and my thought, I accepted His way and His thoughts on it all of a sudden, my thoughts are not not his. In other words, now my thoughts are starting to come in line with his thoughts. And my ways are starting to come in line with his ways. And so are yours the minute you give your life to the Lord. But what about after? This is the verse I said we looked at before. Are we... Stuck with one initial experience of eternal life when we get saved? Or is this a new union with God that lasts until we get with Him and then lasts forever? Is it a new way? Are you full of something? Somebody said, yeah, somebody told me I was full of something. But not lies, but are you as a Christian full of something? You know, there's a scripture in Romans, I believe it's the ninth chapter in the 8th verse. It says, those by the outward appearance that are Jews are not counted, or these religious people are not counted as children of God. In other words, not the ones, in other words, by an outward appearance. He said, but the seed or those who are tr- truly children of God are the ones who have received Jesus. So what we need to understand is this. There's an inward part and an outward. And it's the inward part that gets eternal life. What does it mean, eternal life? It's not just a golden ticket to get you to the other side. It's actually obtaining and receiving the eternal life of God in you when you get saved. It's not a hard work. You know, God made it so easy. He said, doesn't matter who you are, if you'd come unto me... He didn't call on me. He said, I would in no way cast you out. So like if you're like, well, should I come to him? He may cast me out. No, he said, I will in no wise cast you out. It is the most simple thing to get eternal life in you. You know, it's not a hard thing to get that eternal life out of you. I mean, when I mean out, I don't mean like remove it, but get it flowing out of you as a believer. But in a world and in a country that has prospered, and we have as a country, because our founding fathers put God first. And the Bible said righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any land. People don't understand the principles that have gone on in this country for years. And they don't realize. But, but there are certain things that lift things up, And one thing that happens when when you start prospering, and God warned his covenant people, he said, You know, because you're serving me, he said, I'm going to prosper you. But when I prosper you, he said this do not forget me. There is inherent opportunity to put your mind on other things in prosperity. And to put the Lord in a place he does not belong. Where he's not the highest. Now other things are high. And why did he save these things? Because he he was going to get angry at his people? No, he knew it would rob them. If we really want our country to prosper, get a bunch of people saved. Get the principles of the Bible working. And we won't have to worry about high crime. If you get saved, I didn't want to steal after I got saved. You could have left your money with me. And it would have been okay. You with me? Colossians 3 verse 1. Notice this. How do we get this life flowing through us or keep it flowing? And if there are distractions in the world, you can be distracted from going to church and being in fellowship with believers. And when we do that, it has to mean my mind is moving away from something. And notice this in Colossians 3.1. We're talking about how to Uh, have this vibrant faith that will move mountains, literally. People, when they first give their life to the Lord, they're ready to pray and move any mountain. Because there's a fundamental thing in there that you don't ever have to move away from. It's very simplistic, but you kind of have to be organized in your Christian walk. When, when you get saved and give your life to the Lord, you've got to be organized. Disorganization is not a spiritual gift from God. And God teaches organization in the Christian life. Remember He said, seek first. Be organized. This is what you do first. This is what you put first. First. And if you just violate some of those organizational things that he told us, you know, then it, it starts to affect how this life flows through you. It's not rules like, "Oh, you have to do this to have it." But he wants you to have not just an experience at salvation, but he wants this to dominate your life so you can live out a prosperous life. What is a prosperous life? See, if you have one idea, you miss out. A prosperous life means I can effectively witness to people and get people saved. I can effectively be a good employee. I can effectively do all these different things. I, I can be effective in my relationships. is not that sound like Prosperity? I mean, if you got $50 million in the bank and all your kids are serving the devil and your wife is ready to leave you or she just left you, that's not prosperity. Amen. That's not to condemn anybody. Are you with me? But there's a better way. It's higher. And so if people just think, well, money is prosperity... They're sadly mistaken. Now, I'm for money. I'm not opposed to money. And money is not evil or good. It's it's neutral. Because somebody can give some money to a hungry person or buy clothes for themselves and meet the needs of their children. That's a good thing. Somebody else can hire somebody to do some evil thing. Money is not the issue. Are you with me? It's not the issue. It's the governing force that's directing it. Because the Bible didn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice his driving force of the love or coveting of money is the root. And you can love money and be poor. And you can covet money and be poor or not have much money or a bunch of money. the motive. Amen. Glad you like that. Colossians, the third chapter, how do I get this moving out of me and keep this in the right place? Well, that's why I talked about dealing with distractions, being organized, putting the right thing, the right thing. Do I think there are some Christians that forget how good it is to walk with the Lord. I mean, nobody here. But I've seen them at Costco or Walmart. Bunch of them at Walmart. But um, just making an observation. You don't want to know what else I was thinking. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, forsake your old low ways. Forsake your old low thoughts. When a person receives Christ, they're exalted and raised with them. He said, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Make that your priority. Pursue God and His things. The Christian life is not made to be done at half effort. It's sad because what happens is is the person misses out. They're not in the world, but they're not benefiting all the way when they're not really going for it with God. And he's basically teaching a tremendous thing here. Notice this, verse 2. Set your mind or your imagination on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above. Remember there's another verse in Hebrews 12 that said, tells us to look and get your focus on Jesus who is the originator or the starter of your faith and will also perfect it. If you want your faith to vitally grow and get answers and walk in faith, you have to not just put your mind on Him, but you have to keep your mind on Him Above the natural. Amen. Notice this. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Notice verse 4 when Christ, who is our life, notice this when Christ, who is our Zoe, He's the one who gave us eternal life. Talks about Him then appearing. But notice the thought there, because you have Zoe, you have divine life, put your mind on the Lord. He's trying to teach Christians how to have this Zoe flow through them. Now, I'm going to quote a couple verses. You can turn there or write them down. But Galatians, the third chapter, the 21st verse said this If there were laws that could have been given that would have given eternal life, so there were no rules you could keep to get it, you can't earn it. It says this that Zoe, he said, then truly righteousness would have come by doing works or the law. Now, I just said something and we could read right by this. When he said, put your mind on him because he is your life, because you've received eternal life, if you notice, and you can read that when you get home, or maybe you already are on your phone app going, uh, or you've turned there, But if you'll notice, he uses the term righteous and life, the zoe life, interchangeably. Romans 5.21 does. Romans 8.10 does. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of right standing or righteousness. This is important. This is something people forget or are not taught. When you give your life to the Lord, the reason there is an exuberant, whoa, what happened to me? Something has changed. Something is going on and it starts driving you and you're like, man, I want to talk to God. I want to get to know God. I want to get to know what's in His Word. You know why you are like that after you get saved? And people think, what happened to them? They were one way ten minutes ago or a day or two ago or whenever that was and all of a sudden now they're going this way for no apparent reason. They look the same. It's because they received eternal life. But the Word's eternal life or the life of God are interchangeable with righteousness. Him who knew no sin, the Bible said, was made sin because remember what sin did? It makes people dead spiritually. He said that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Every Christian is righteous. Those who received the Bible said abundance of grace, Romans 5.17 and the gift of righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It just means you're in right standing. How did you get in right standing? Jesus made you that way when you received Him. So you became right with God. God looks at you like you're right. But see, you might be familiar with your natural self. That's why go read the Bible and look at the word justification and righteous, and they're the same word, and it means just like you never sinned. You are righteous. This is why faith explodes in a baby Christian when they give their life to the Lord. They have a sense of eternal life. I've got the very life of God in me, I'm in good standing. I'm clean. They sense it. But if they're not taught right, they'll start getting their mind on the wrong thing and they'll start allowing condemnation to rule them and faith will wither up. Even though they're loved and they're in right standing with God, their faith will wither. No wonder he said, put your mind on things above. Because he is your righteousness. The Bible said this in Romans, he is righteous. Everybody believes Jesus is righteous. And the righteousness of the one who believes in him. No wonder he said, put your mind on things above. Now now I'm going to do a test, like you're at the doctor's office. Great. Breathe deep. We're going to do a self-examination. If I told you, you are righteous. Now this is for the people who have already received the Lord. If I say you have the divine life of God, because I'm just repeating Him, and you are righteous right now, if you struggle with it, I'm going to tell you why. If you didn't go, bless God, I I, I mean, I'm talking to people who are born again. If you struggle with it, I'm going to tell you exactly why you're struggling with it. Anybody want to know why? Because you're disobeying that scripture. You're disobeying that scripture. So they said, huh, what do you mean? Because the minute I say, Because I'm only repeating what God said. And i got a lot more verses. And I've already quoted a number of them. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Ready? Here's the self-examination. If you've received the Lord, the Lord said you are in right standing with Him. And the Lord said you have His very life in your spirit. You are righteous. Here's how people fail. What did He say to do? Set your mind on Him. Not on things down here. Because He is your life. He is your right standing. But if I say you're this, the only way you're not going to agree or the only way you're going to go, yeah, that's true, is this very, very statement right here. Are you ready? You either put your mind on things and your own life down here on the earth. Well, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. He said, Don't put your mind there. When you put your mind there, you say, I can't qualify for that. I don't have that. See, I told you you had to disobey that verse. In order to really release that life, you have to go, Well, he said I have eternal life. I have to put my mind up there. He's my righteousness, He's the one who paid to put me in good standing. Now if I take my mind and I put it on the things of the earth then I'm going to evaluate whether I think I'm righteous based on things on the earth not what he said. Amen. We're going to close right here. 1 Corinthians 6. We read this I believe once before but we're going to look at it again. So how do I release that life? How do I walk in that righteousness that is mine? Well, one, I declare I'm right. And it's easy to declare I'm right when I have given my life to the Lord and He paid and He gave me life. But I need to keep my mind there. Otherwise, I'll go, oh no, you, you don't know what I did the other day. But you're not in right standing by the works of the law. Are you just to live any old way? No, but that's not what makes you right. Because think of it you can't save yourself, you need a savior, but after you get saved, you can save yourself, and you don't need a savior? Faulty thinking. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Everybody knows that verse. I'm telling you the unrighteous. But if you read 2 Corinthians 5.21, he wrote to these people and he said, you are righteous. Who are unrighteous? People who are not right with God. Let's keep reading. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And there's a difference between a homosexual and a sodomite in this context in the Greek. One is what's called a cantomite, or one who submits to it, but doesn't even really have that affection or think that way. And then it goes on to say, nor thieves. Notice he puts them all together. See, some Christians look at one thing and go, oh, but watch the point. See, some people will miss what I'm saying and jump on the train and start going, oh, look at this, look at this. Let's look at the whole thing. The unrighteous will not. Then he said, notice, they will not they will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither. And he goes through this this list, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Notice this phrase, but you were washed... Titus uses that term. You were washed, renewed, and set right by the work of the Spirit. You were washed, you were sanctified, literally means sent apart, you were justified, same word righteous, declared not guilty in the name of the Lord, right, when you called on the name of the Lord, and by the work of the Spirit. Here's an interesting thought. We know if we read those verses, there were people in this church practicing some of those very things. And he said, you're righteous, you've been justified. That's why he told them, put it away, because you're dead to that. But he still called them righteous and still said they had life. But he used these terms. He said, you're just walking like a mere human being, even though you're not a mere human being. It would serve people well to put their mind on not earthly failures, but on heavenly success, what the Lord did for you. I mean, you can beat people down all you want to and say, don't sin, don't do this. What if I told you you're already dead to sin when you give your life to the Lord? That's biblical. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for you. He died to sin, or He died, He bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we now being dead to sin should live under righteousness. You know, you can be dead to sin and still be doing wrong. That's why you put your mind on the other. And that's where transformation is. Everybody should do this in their own life. If you're a Christian, you need to do this. Or one who's received the Lord, you need to do this. You need to personally... Put your mind on the Lord and start declaring, I've got eternal life. That eternal life that I received rules me. I'm in good standing with God. When you allow that to dominate you, your faith as a believer will just explode in a good way. Amen.